Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download the Zion Clear Lake app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jaden. This is Kate. And I'm John. Wow, that was so dramatic, John. Thank you. I noticed that each week you're progressively getting more and more dramatic in your announcement. I delay it just a little bit every time to make the anticipation. I hate it. Wow. (laughs) Fashionably late. Well, okay, speaking of fashion, can you guess once again what John Hopple is wearing? (gasps) We're going to play a game, a new game called Guess What John Hopple's Wearing. This is a gross game. (laughs) Is it a three-quarter zip? Yep. With the sleeves that are long sleeves, but they're pulled up to the elbow. 100%. Is there inspiration point on the left breast? What? Pocket? Yes. How did you know? He owns very little else. He uh, he has Zion swag and inspiration points swag. That's about it. You know, just so the audience at home can understand No, there's no this. justification for this. No, I'm not, like, no, 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 no. It, we got to get you some to- more This clothing, is totally man. valid. I want them to know that I'm also the sound guy. So at any point, <laughs> I can mute all of your microphones. <laughs> yep. And just, That's pretty uh, hilarious, actually. Yep. And so we'll be true. looking for a new job. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm the boss. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why did why did Jason all of a sudden stop talking? I don't know. <laughs> why did it get really quiet? The podcast got so much better. <laughs> it's only funny because it's true. Self-deprecating humor is a very fun humor, but like distinct. Well, so that's okay. It's so, also very Gen Z. Yeah. Well, no, that's no. No, I'm not Gen Z, and I've been self-deprecating as long as I. No, can I never remember. said you were Gen Z. I said self-deprecating humor was very. It's Gen a Z. type of humor mm-hmm. that defines a generation because they all majority, like majority, love it. Gen Xers. Gen Z. Really like it. Xers? Yeah, you're a Gen Xer. I'm so Gen X. You're definitely Gen X. I am so Gen X. My parents are also Gen X. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I'm going to be 50 in three years. That's exciting. That blows my mind away. Okay, so true story. I think about when I was in high school, which my daughter just, she's going to be starting her freshman. She's starting her freshman year of high school. Wow. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, so when I was 15, my friend's parents were younger than I am now. (gasps) Doesn't that make you feel so old? And then I think about how they dressed, and they all dress like old people. You know, is that what kids think of us? I'm hip, you guys. Well, no, I but here's the thing. I think clothing styles have changed so dramatically because when back in the 90s, clothing styles, like, you either dress like a kid or you dress like you were going to work all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very diverse now. It is. We well, live in a very diverse time. And clo- Well, and that's the thing is I think clothing styles have, like, well, and also the new 60s, like the new 40. That's right. And so I'm 50, but I feel like I'm 70, so. I can't gauge people's ages. No. Especially like if you look at the news or Hollywood or celebrities. I have no idea how old someone is. No, when someone says, how old do you think I am? And I'm like, well, I'm almost 47, which blow, I'm almost, I'm 47, almost 50. I don't, 20, 20 year olds look like they're 15 to me until they look like they're 40. Cause you'll see some people who are like, oh, are you like in college? No, I'm a freshman in high school. What's in the water? Like, are, yeah. 
Or opposite, where there's a lot of really young looking people. That's my kids. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, you look so young. Yes. It's like, I'm 34. I'm 34. <laughs> my kids, they've got the Miller jeans. The curse of the Miller jeans is they're short and they're going to look very young for a very long time. It sounds like until they're not. It sounds like not a curse. It sounds like what people aspire for. No, it's actually it's great for a while. Sure. When you're younger, it's a real bummer. When you're older, it's awesome. Till they're trying to till they're trying to rent a car and they're consistently asked. (laughs) Well, like so now the only reason why I think I look my age is I've got like a lot of gray in my beard now and my hair is turning gray. But if that wasn't the case, up until a couple years ago, I was still getting like 34, 33. John Hopple literally is a copy paste. Like God got bored when he made John Hopple and he was like copy paste Ron Hopple. Yes, 100%. God got bored when he made you John. That's what your wife just said. Wait, that was your That's how that I mean. was the <laughs> That wow, really you rude. just threw it. I didn't it. mean it like that. Wow, oh copy God. paste like he just went control C. Yeah. V and done. Like you're, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> All of the, Your dad is a wonderful man. Though. Well, your family so, is wonderful. I you am blessed family. to have a husband. He that is he like will that. he will tell this. He will fully admit it that he only <laughs> sings one song. Point? No, <laughs> <laughs> he has only been to Inspiration Point a handful of times. Um, but it, he only can sing one song and not very well. Uh, so I'd like to think that I'm a little different in that respect. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Beautiful Which voice. looks alone is, uh, yes. is very in similar. some mannerisms, like yeah. when they sat next to each other. It's true. And from behind, and I didn't have my glasses on. It literally, it was like, who's One, who? you have a little bit more hair than your dad, too. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, hey, I, you know, how about how about Jesus, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of fathers. Segways, Speaking of weird. Father. All right, so we're ending our This Is How I Fight series. And uh, it is the very last one, and we've only got a couple more weeks, and then we're back in the dock. Yeah, summer went fast. Summer, what well, always does. Yeah. So, baptismal lake. Let's talk about baptismal lake. It was the previous so week. wonderful. The only things that could maybe be counted at neutral, even I'm not even going to say a bad thing. It was like a neutral thing about it. Was it was kind of chilly. The weather was not great. The weather wasn't ideal, but I think that. Even if it would have just been one person standing out in the freezing cold rain, mm-hmm. it would have been wonderful. Huh, you know? Plus, they came out on fire anyway. And it ended up being nicer than that, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was like, nice, Jaden. Nice I job. feel like the last several baptisms at the lake, it's the it's the always been, been well because the week before it rained, so yeah. we had to we had to push it out. Yeah. And it was still, but even then, the water wasn't horrible once you no. got in. No, it was actually nicer than the the. Um, the wind, because yeah. I, I helped, like, what an honor, what a blessing it was to get to help baptize um, some very dear friends. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Kristen. I think she listens. And uh, Claire Sampson and uh, Missy Jones are three girls that I spend quite a bit of time with. And it was yeah. just such a blessing to get to see them. And then a lot of children <laughs> as well uh, do baptism. That was wonderful. And I was going to get out of the water to help the prayer team in between those. And I said, nope, it's too cold. I'm going to stay in the water. Can I tell you one of my favorite things uh, about our staff and our church and just the way we're doing things? I think I personally only baptized three people. That's crazy to think about. I loved that. I loved the fact that we had so many other people doing the baptism that I just got to not spectate. I got to pray over. Yeah. And I love the fact that we see that and that we had parents who came out and were part Amen. of it. And so it's so funny. Missy Jones. Missy is a high school student. She's my daughter's best friend. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, she goes, she was yesterday, we were at freshman orientation. Ah, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have a freshman so in high school. Weird. She should be a sophomore, which is even crazier, but we held her back. And she goes, I love the fact that you didn't know Kate was supposed to baptize me and you were all amped to baptize me, Jason. And then Kate took over and I'm like, oh. it was, no, I loved it. And I, cause I didn't know that you were gonna baptize her. And so oh. I was all ready to go. And, and she goes, so I just thought that was funny. And I'm like, okay, but it was great. I loved it's it. It's like those teenage girls, they're, the way that they speak sometimes is just so funny where it's like, oh man, you are sassy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. and her dad, so Justin came out in the water and it was just, just a great, it was yes, overall yeah. wonderful. Great job, Kate and yeah, your team. You did an really amazing great. job. Can, All John, right. can you put in like a clap, like soundtrack? <laughs> Are we going to start doing that now? Is that I the new got, thing you're going to put? Sound I could, effects? I could, but yes. I haven't done that yet. Dang it. It's coming soon to yes. the breakthrough breakdown. All right. So here's the thing. So we're talking about, let's, let's talk about this last, last week. Uh, so we're ending, and we ended with a rather large text from Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. Uh, for the longest time, I just want to clarify, it is not Revelations. There's no S at the end of it. It is just Revelation. Um, and for the longest time, every time I would say Revelation, I'd say Revelations because you say Galatians, Colossians. Mm -hmm. And you'd always get that one snippy, snotty person would go, Revelation, like Hermione Granger. <laughs> Levioso. Levi it's Levioso, not yeah. Levioso. Yeah, so I'm like, really? Okay, but y'all get the point. But so we, we ended with this. Um, when we think about spiritual warfare, uh, and I mean, let's be honest, the book of Revelation is, it's a hard book to it read. It is. We kept using the word heady, and like what we mean by that is it's just so above what our everyday brain function is at. <laughs> well, it's, it's a genre, it's a style of writing that isn't popular anymore. And so there, there are elements to it that are, I mean, it's a difficult book. I can't say the word apocryphal. Apocalyptical. Yep. So apocryphal is different. Apocalyptical are two different things. Eschatological. Which, which one describes accurately the book of Revelation? Apocalyptical or Thank apocalypse. You. Okay. So, uh, but here's the point it's, and we're not getting into the whole book of Revelation, but <laughs> the whole, the whole end of the book of Revelation from chapter 20, actually it starts in 19, but you see the spiritual war coming to an end, this battle. And we know that the victory has already been won in Jesus. We just don't know when the war is going to actually be over, but it's been declared over. Um, I was thinking about, as we were talking about this is, so much of we think that the reason why we're fighting the war is to win. Right. And but we've already won. Right. So what are we actually fighting for? We're fighting to be faithful. Wow. And that's that's such a different way of looking at spiritual warfare. Because if I'm fighting to win, now all of a sudden life and death are in the balance. Right. And, and if I lose, oh my gosh, Satan's gonna win. No, Satan's already lost. What I'm struggling, what I'm wrestling, what I'm fighting for is that I'll be faithful until either I die, right? because I, Jesus could come back in my lifetime. Every generation since the gospels were written believed theirs was the last generation. Uh, in the book of Thessalonians, there was even a rumor that Jesus was gonna return soon. So there were people who were like, well, don't, let's not work. And isn't that kind <laughs> of like the, what's the, the tone of the New Testament is there's an urgency to it because they believed like, hey guys, literally. Hey, I come back at any time. Yeah. And, and, and here's why this is, is important is the Old Testament Again, we, we read the Bible as a collection that's already been formed, but we forget that like, let's say the first book of the Bible that was penned, authored, 
was probably first written by Moses. That was really weird. Moses. Moses. <laughs> you pulled a John, the anticipation there. Yeah, it, yeah, was. it was. Well done. Moses. Um, <laughs> it's possible Moses probably lived around 1400 to 1200 BC. Isn't that crazy to think about? That's before even Jesus was alive, BC. 1500 years before, possibly 1500 years before Jesus. We don't really know when Moses, but but more real, we ought to realize that they were waiting thousands of years for this Christ to come. We have no, we are so impatient. We are. Well, and, and this we is, have no idea how well, long and, this and, 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 I, Now, here's another crazy thought. They didn't have time the way we do. Yeah. I mean, think about that for a second. They didn't have watches. Yeah. They gauge time by day and night. And everyone had a different way of like keeping even calendar or dates. There wasn't like a universal There's a Jewish calendar. There's an Egyptian calendar. Yeah. I mean, so when you're reading the Old Testament, by the time of Christ, they had the third hour and they, they gauged where the sun was. But there was no formal time in which uh, this also makes it interesting is that when you read about how many years somebody was alive in the book of Genesis yeah. where yeah. people get all weirded out by it. But my point is this. We're like, well, how come Jesus hasn't come back yet? Well, it, it took thousands of years. Moses yeah. was around 1200 to 1400 BC, okay? Right. But Abraham was probably another 700 years. Right. Or possible. I mean, we don't... We, we don't, don't really know. No, and so it, that's... But certainly it was before Moses even wrote anything down that these were ancient uh, verbal... They were stories, written, you know, oral stories. stories. Yeah. And so why does that matter? Well, when we think about that... that what we're waiting for is we are, we, I think time, time is a gift. We, we can tell time, but now it also makes us impatient Imagine. and it also can lead to a distrust. Well, God hasn't, why hasn't God come back? Or yeah. it's been, it's been 2000 years since Jesus. I think if you partner the urgency that is in the tone of the New Testament with the instant gratification of our culture today, you get a very impatient Christian culture. Oh yeah, you were right? gonna say something, Jaden. I Sorry, saw, Jay. I saw you, oh. I saw your mouth. Oh, open. that's okay. You guys are just so awesome to listen to. It's hard to get in a word. But oh gosh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Poor Jason and I. We talk too much. <laughs> no, nice no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was gonna say that. Yeah, there is a sense of urgency. I also think like if you do take the right tone, you, re you remove this uh, this sense of impatience, it can become a very beautiful thing. I, I mean, you, like you said, these people expected Jesus to be back very quickly. And, and so that really probably incited Paul's urgency to send the letters to the churches oh, to, I agree. to, I think it, to exhort and to challenge. Like, and, and, that, and I think if we have the right mindset, we aren't impatient, we can use that sense of, guys, we don't know when, so we need to get this right. Act like it's tomorrow. Well, and, uh, you know, there's that we joked about this during sermon read through. Jesus is coming back. Everybody look busy. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> guys, clean up the room. Clean and, up the room. And Paul and John's urgency in the the book of Revelation is we don't know when Jesus is going to return. We don't even know what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. You know, it's crazy to think about it or say it, but I love plugging CR. One of the things that... Celebrate recovery. That's celebrate recovery. Insider Thank language. You. Insider language, you're right. Celebrate recovery that we do here at Zion on Thursday nights. We serve a meal at six o'clock and then do a large group and small group section. But it's it's for any hurt, hang up or hold up, habit or hold up. And thinking about that urgency, then you were saying, um, look busy. Jeez, would you want to be caught in a state of drunkenness or mm. a state of, yeah. you know, is this where you want to be when Jesus comes back? Right. I, I do think about that, like that being sober minded and, and thinking like, Oh wow. What if I thought of that kingdom come with yeah. more urgency? Well, and, and this, this I think begs the question that we see within spiritual warfare is, 
if the point of what we're resisting, what we're fighting and wrestling for is not to win the fight, but to be faithful through the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, it changes how you fight. It changes how you fight. It changes the way that you read the stories because it's this is not Star Wars. This is not light versus dark. This is not good versus evil. No, Satan already knows that when Jesus resurrected, it was Satan's kind of, hey, I'm coming for you. And you're, you're going to lose. I've already conquered sin. Now I'm conquering death, which are the two things that Satan has hold of. And it's so the, it's the ultimate thing. I do not like reading the end of a book. If I get a new book and I, and some people will do this, they will read the ends of the book to see if they want to read the whole thing. And I'm like, why are you doing that? You're spoiling the ending. This is the one time where it's like, we know the end of the story. Well, and, and, and so that's an, another interesting point is that mm. the Bible is not a book. Right. It's 66 books that are not. If you walked into a library, you wouldn't go to the library and say, hey, where's the first book? Right. There's different genres, different points. And, and too often we want to read it as one book. Now, it is one unified story, mm-hmm. but it has different intention, different meaning. And so the book of Revelation, yes, it's the final book of the Bible. Mm. But the ultimate point of it is it's the climax of the story is now coming to the end and the beginning. Because while it's the end of the Bible, it's not the end of God's kingdom. Which is something so beautiful in the text that you chose for yeah. our, our main text of that, Alpha and Omega. Well, and then that's, I mean, so if you think about it, there's a reason why the, the Bible doesn't end with the defeat of Satan. Like you would think if that's the whole point, if spiritual warfare is about right. the defeat of the enemy, once Satan is cast into hell, done. No, no yeah, that, but that's the real spiritual warfare again, because we already know Satan's, go, or Satan's going to lose, Jesus is going to win. Right. The real point of the story is that now God is going to bring new creation. He's going to redeem and he's going to restore. Yeah. And and that's the, that is the end, that's which the is, hope. that's the hope. That's the beginning. And I think too many Christians and myself included in this, what we get wrapped up in is this idea of that. Well, I'm just I'm just waiting for I'm just waiting for that the end of those things right. instead of it. Really, it's painting a new beginning. So, and, and isn't that the best kind of endings though? The ones that are new beginnings. Yes. Well, and, and that's so. This is one of the things that you'll find good literature. Good literature mm-hmm. follows a lot of biblical themes because there's something within us in humans Amen. that longs for the truth of Scripture. Wow. Amen. I agree with that. So, Amanda Farmer does a really cool thing where she connects worldly things with like yeah. scripture theme. Amanda Farmer is our youth director. Yeah. And so now we think about this. Okay. So let's talk about this idea of really where we went to is the whole point of this series was talking about, yes, there is spiritual warfare. And now Jesus kind of gives us this thing is like, listen, you're at war. doesn't matter if you want to believe it or not. You are at war. The question is, are you at war with God or are you at war with Satan? Yeah. And this, this, and he leaves no wiggle room. He doesn't. He doesn't leave a, well, I'm, it's, no, you're either for for him or against Jesus. That's, yeah. that's, that's it. And I think the problem becomes this, is that if there's no in-between, um, we're now left with this really challenging understanding of spiritual warfare. Because there is a duality that takes place. I, I'm either working towards heaven and, and bring not working to get heaven, but towards building the kingdom of God here and now, or I'm working against the kingdom of heaven. Right. And I, one of the things that I was challenged by, uh, if we read the book of... Wow. 
if we read the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation, Genesis begins in a garden and the garden is, is Adam and Eve's job is to cultivate and build, bring culture. And it starts with a tree. Amen. Well, now when you get to Gen- to Revelation, there's a tree, but now there's a city. It's no yeah. longer a garden. And it's, here's the thing. God realized that human beings could never really build the kingdom of God by themselves. Yeah. So God brings the city down and now there's a tree in the center of it. And it's this bookend. We, we live between yes. the two trees. And that's not a Jason original. This is a, a theological theme that's been founding guys. It's like a beautiful NT, right? illustration nonetheless. That's, that's exactly right. And so our job is we're living between these trees. We're living between, you know, our, our job is to bring parts of heaven here. Well, now it got to me thinking. work. Yeah, we have a job. Right. And, and here's what it got me thinking about. And, and I, I wanted to spend a little bit of time in this. I think sometimes we assume that kingdom work always has to be church work. Wow. Amen. So, you know, yeah, it's about serving in the church. It's and and yet the kingdom of God is so much bigger than a church building or ministry at a church. And I think that's part of what scares people. And I think you can even take it further where it's like even the rocks cry out all of creation. Yeah should fall under the kingdom of God. And eventually it will. And eventually That's it will. part of what he brings. So let me ask the question, okay? So um, I've been a Christian way longer than I haven't been a Christian now. Praise God. And so in some ways I've forgotten what it was like to be my non-Christian self. However, no, I preach it. <laughs> I will say this though. There have been seasons in my walk with God where I certainly was not living for God. Amen. And we talk about that dual citizenship. There's yeah. been seasons in my life, even especially in ministry, where I, here I am, I'm up front preaching and saying I love Jesus, and yet my heart is really far from God. Amen. And I don't live in fear of, oh my gosh, what if I do the wrong thing? No, because my victory is secured in what Jesus did, not what I've done. But I, I realized that part of when I usually, when I faced being tired spiritually, or when I want to do it, it's because I've made assumptions about what does it mean to actually do the work of the kingdom. Mm. And so everything's got to be spiritual. And everything's like, I think one of the conversations we have, can I enjoy a burger yeah. and still love Jesus, right? Or or does everything have to sound super spiritual and super holy? And I mean, Paul talks about that. So let, let's talk about that for a second. I'd love to hear, what are your thoughts? What is the challenge for a lot of Christians. And, and why do you think it's so hard for us to think of the kingdom as more than just ministry work or mm-hmm. that we do it, that uh, things like eating, a, having a great meal is somehow not kingdom work if yeah. it's done well. What do you think that comes from? Does that make sense? I'll let you go first. I don't want to forget it. I think it's, I think it's all just, uh, it's all worship. I was going to say the same yeah. thing, man. Romans 12, one through, honestly, pretty much all of Romans uh, 12, the way that it talks about worship and your lifestyle yep. and your living body. Yeah. Can Which we preached on over the last yeah. two weeks prior to this week. Yeah. Can it all be worship? Is it all worship? Um, are you submitting your hands, feet, eyes, mouth yep. holistically and solely to God through the things that you do? Um, and when you don't, do you turn back? Do you repent? Do you um, try to make it worship? We all worship something. Yes. Oh, yeah. When I think we over-spiritualize, and, yeah. and this is not a new thing. This was found in the Bible as well, where things like prayer are spiritual, but mm-hmm. uh, playing with friends, going out and, and... Relationship. That's 
I even worship. think that, you know, we were just, me and my group were just talking about um, First Timothy chapter 3, like the godly characteristics mm. of church leaders and mm. what, you know, Timothy calls us, or says are um, qualities and characteristics. Anyway, I think about like that idea of new converts being puffed up in arrogance of yeah. thinking that like, oh, it's something that I've done to be more spiritual. We, I think we centralize the spiritualism. Like if we were really focused on God, having everything be about God is so much more organic than yeah. what we try to force. Our, it's almost like a self-spiritualism. Does like, it become a little, you're still inside yourself. Yeah. It's become a little bit of like consumerism in a it manner really too. It really does. It's yeah. kind of like consumerism, narcissism, and like self-worship all, the all together. All the, all the isms. isms. All the bad isms. Well, and, and then I think that's our human nature is to yeah. lend to that. And, and this is exactly what the enemy wants us to move towards is and why we have to, why the struggle is faithfulness. Wow. The struggle is not about perfection. The struggle no. is not about doing super spiritual things. Right. The struggle is faithfulness. And so, for instance, um, can I be a firefighter and love Jesus? Yeah. 100%. I can serve God through firefighting and I can bring God's kingdom work into can the world. Can you be a taxpayer? A ta or, or a tax, tax, uh, tax collector. Or tax preparer. I don't yeah. think we have any tax collectors now. I know, now. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you I work for the IRS and love Jesus. Well, and it, even even uh, Brother Lawrence, who washed dishes, right? Brother Lawrence washed dishes, and he, it yeah. was all about worship. Yeah. But I think what happens then is we feel if the pressure is too high, if all of a sudden we're in the assumption that I'm not doing enough spiritual things, my tendency is to want to just give up and say, well, I'm not going to worry about it at all. Yeah. But if I change my perspective and all of a sudden realize, wait, Everything is an opportunity, even the things that I think in mundane, how I love my wife, yep. how I love my children. I was at my daughter's freshman orientation. I had an opportunity last night to be kingdom. Doesn't mean I was, I don't know. But I, I think it, it changes that it gives us some freedom to think differently about the world around us. On the flip side though, and, and Melissa Dornkamp asked the question because we were talking about what does it mean to be double-minded? Yeah. Which is when you want dual citizenship. You want to love Jesus, but you also want to love getting drunk. Or you want to love Jesus and you want to love something else equally or more so. And Jesus says, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. One point, Jesus even says, if you want to follow me, you've got to hate your mother and brother. Yeah. You've got to hate those around you. And he actually doesn't mean hate. It means Jesus has to come so far first mm -hmm. that your family might go, but, but wait, why aren't we the most important thing in your life? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are hard words. So let me let me ask you this question then. When you think about uh, that struggle to be faithful, how do we maintain this knowledge that even when I'm faithless, he is faithful? That even when I screw up, I don't have to worry about my salvation, but I might have to worry about my experiencing victory and blessing. Uh, yeah, I love that um, there's kind of this theme of obedience brings blessing, that God honors obedience, that your steps of obeying him and his commands, if you love me, then keep my commands, right? Can you remain blessable? Like when, Ooh, you step, that's good. when you step out of obedience and you're asking for blessing, it's like, are you being obedient? But the incredible thing about how good our God is, is that it's that radical obedience that he asks of us. But he also knows our human nature and there's abundant grace. He's never shocked when we fail. No. God's not there going, oh, I can't believe Jason did that. Like right. he's, he's no, the one he's who's like, least. Uh-huh, Jason, come on back. I knew it was going to happen to see this opportunity over here. That's for you to come back to me. Come on over. When, and I didn't realize this until I became a parent. 
once I had kids, when my kids fail, I'm not shocked by it. Right. I'm not, I'm not shocked. Sometimes I'm like, I'm still heartbroken, but I know my kids aren't perfect. I know my kids are going to make mistakes. Do I get frustrated? Yes. I'm also not God. And so I may not always respond the right way, but, and I think how much better is our heavenly father. And so now we live in this, here's what I, and I I think the reason why I want to say this is we need to be careful not to think the goal is striving to somehow think that if I mess up, or if I'm double-minded that I'm going to lose my salvation. Yeah. No, if my, if my faith is really in Jesus, my salvation is secure. But the question is, how am I living? Yeah. And I think the real dangerous person, the real dangerous position is, is when you're double-minded, some people might assume that they're good because they said they love Jesus. Mm-hmm. But if we have to ask the question according to Scripture, there are those who are going to stand before the Lord and God's going to say, I don't know you. Yeah. And so we have to give the warning. Thankfully, it's not mine to judge. I don't get to say who's in and who's out. But how do we live in security? How do I know? I'm, I screw up. I still, I still have sin in my life. I still have those things. I'm fighting for faithfulness, which means some, sometimes I lose, sometimes I win. Yeah, it is interesting to kind of think about like, God is the one who does the work in our lives and God is the one who promotes salvation, I guess. And it's like, yes, Jason, I totally agree. When, when you are in Christ, your salvation is secure. You know, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, your, your salvation is secure and you don't have to worry about going around like, Oh my gosh, I didn't talk to this person about Jesus. I should have said something. God, please what I hope I don't lose my salvation yeah. now. Right. It's, it's like not, what a horrible state to be and always wondering and worrying about that. And to go even to go even farther too, like you know, if you if you fall into sin, if if there's something in your life that comes up and you're like, oh, I just I'm I'm I've lost my way, you know, your your worst moments don't define you with Jesus. Yeah. Even going forward, like is oh I, I I believe in Jesus, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, and then a month, a year, five years down the road, you fall into whatever. There's still, God's still faithful you know, and God I still think, turns that around, you know? I think like throughout this whole series, we've been tying it back to the armor of God, that Ephesians 6 text. And when I think of the helmet of salvation, what I always explain that to kids is like, what the helmet does for armor is it protects you from fatal blows to the head. You're going to get conked. Like, it's going to hurt. You're going to fall down. You'll probably get knocked out. But it will not kill you. Like, that's what that helmet is for. No deathly blow can come against my salvation. Satan, you might fight and pick and battle my faith, but my salvation is in Christ alone. And there are, so historically, and this was in the early church, part of the struggle was there's a difference between sinning and rejecting. Mm. So I I personally, and there's some disagreement about this theologically. I do not believe in a once saved, always saved. And and I've had to wrestle through that over the years. And there are those who do, and I get that. There are scriptures that lean towards it. But I don't think you can lose your salvation. I think you hand your salvation back. That's how I always say it. And, and And I want to be clear. There are those who hold the once saved, always saved, my Calvinist brothers and sisters. And I love this illustration. I just wrestle with it from a scriptural perspective is the question is not, can you lose your salvation? Is it that God's grip is so weak that he could ever lose someone who belongs to him? Right. And I get that. 
But I think that's different. And this is what happened in the early church. The early church wrestled with, there were those who went what was called apostate. Those who actually rejected Jesus. It's not that they sinned. It's that they actually said, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't want Jesus. Something else is king in my life and I reject you, Jesus. And I think God is gracious enough, and this sounds weird, to give you exactly what you want. I think it's cool that you even used the illustration just now in explaining it of like, could something come out of God's grip? But if you think of the way that, you know, we always say like that Christianity is like God, Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. I don't picture a gripped hand when it's salvation. I picture an open hand, which means you can walk in. If you can walk in, that means you can walk out. Yeah. And then, and let's, there are scriptures that disagree with that and that's okay. There's a reason why we don't know. There's a reason why we don't know, but I think what that challenges us is instead of when I meet a brother or sister who is sinning, I don't sit there and go, oh, you might go to hell. <laughs> no, it tells me, hey, you're you're walking in disobedience and you're not experiencing the victory you get to have here and now. Amen. You're choosing double-mindedness, and which is why James says to resist the devil, which then ties to double-mindedness, to confess and repent and turn back to God and be washed clean of your sins. Amen. And, and so now here we are, we're talking about the spiritual warfare. And, you know, John, you titled it Endgame. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> ultimate victory is one day sin and death are going to be cast into hell. Hell was not designed for humans. Hell was designed for Satan and death and Hades and all of that stuff. But what we're fighting for is that even when I sin, even when I forget God, even when I turn my back on God, which is not the same as rejection of God. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I get distracted. You got to put your blinders on for a second. Yeah, I call it the God blink moments, right? God, would you just not look for a few moments? I want to make a really bad decision, right? And I don't have to live in fear. And I think that's what I wanted to make sure that we understood is that the whole point of this is that I, I want, God wants, not even me. God wants, he wants you to have blessing in your life. Now, I'm not saying what that blessing is. I cannot say that blessing means you're not going to get cancer or not going to go through hardships. Um, my biggest warning for pastors or Christians in the the health and wealth gospel movement is that God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be healthy. Then while the early church fathers failed miserably because a lot of them died pretty horrific deaths. Right. And so either God didn't honor his promise or we misunderstood the promise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have to live in insecurity. Fear or shame. Fear or shame. Now, when the question of if you're neutral, you've picked a side, there are people who love Jesus who are trying to remain neutral. And I think it's a call and a warning to say, hey, you may not actually love Jesus. You might think you do. And and I I think that's a holy challenge to give. I think sometimes, too, we talk about that Lord and Savior. And it's like, I think sometimes we love the idea of a Savior. Yes. We love the, I want to be saved. Yeah, I like that. I love Jesus. Mm. Okay. If you love me, keep my commands. Well, so, and then you think about, let's, let's think about it like a lifesaver, right? If a lifeguard pulls me out of the water, he's my savior. I'm not going to declare him king of my life. Right. And and that's the thing. Jesus doesn't just want to be the one who rescued you from the waters. He wants to be your king. He wants to be the one who directs your life. And I think that's challenging. So what do we do with this? I mean, what are we fighting for? We're we're fighting to be faithful through the end. Mm -hmm. The end one day, eventually Satan is going to be defeated. 
victory is secured. We have the victory, but we are not always experiencing the victory now. And that's not what God has for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you think about how to fight, and, and, and maybe it's something through the series, maybe it's something else. What's an area that for you has helped you, helps you be steadfast? Mm. And I'll share mine first, just so I kind of give an idea. So one of the things that helps me, and it's partly how I'm wired, singing Of all things, when I'm worshiping, when I put on worship music, that does, it helps me in the moment. And I talked about that a few weeks ago, is that when I'm worshiping, it's hard for me to think about anything else going on if I'm actually actively singing. Because as human beings, we are not actually capable of multitasking. So if I'm thinking about the words I'm singing, I'm not thinking about the struggles in front of me in that moment. Now, the minute I stop thinking, don't think for one second, all of a sudden I don't get overwhelmed again. But singing is one of those ways for me that helps me remain steadfast. And not everybody enjoys that. Here's the other one that does it for me is the conversations like this. Amen. Like this is. This fan's my flame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I, this is my favorite part about the podcast is these conversations stir me. They spur me on to faithfulness. Mm. How about for you guys? What spurs you guys on? What spurs you to faithfulness uh, in in the spiritual war that's going on? I think, um, I love that you gave so many good examples, and I would agree with that. But for me, um, when I feel like I need to stand firm, I'm usually feeling the battle, right? Where it's like, okay, that reminder of, oh, I need to stand firm because I'm feeling shaky. I feel like I could tip over, right? And I used to always joke, I struggle with a lot of things in my faith. I feel like, I've told John before, I feel like I'm always working on something. I feel like life is bumpers when I'm playing a bowling game. I see the 10 pins and I want to get there, but I'm just no good at it, you know? And and life just bumpers me back and forth. I'm constantly working on something. And I question, I don't, doubt is not the same as unbelief. That's right. Right? And so I get these doubts and I have to go, I always say my truth bucket. I empty everything out. But the thing is like when we were just talking about whether or not you could lose salvation or things like that, honestly, in the grand scheme of things, I might need to take that out of, I might need to take that out of my truth bucket and go back in and say, what is the truth that I know? Do I know that God created me and loved me, that Jesus came, lived, performed miracles as the son of God, as God himself died and was resurrected for my sins and forgiveness? In the end, if that's the only thing that I know, okay, yeah. I can stand firm. It's, I was having this conversation with somebody recently is that there's a difference between truth and facts. I can yeah. manipulate facts to sure. get the truth I Absolutely. want, which is why we need truth. Amen. There must be an absolute truth, and truth is not determined by my facts. It's determined by something outside of me. And this is yes. where the, the truth of the gospel, this is what I lean on. Yeah, how about, that's what keeps me firm. How about you? What keeps me firm? Um, I'm going to, uh, maybe I'll dive, uh, uh, this is going to be a little abstract, I suppose, but Mine is a blanket term. It's just going to be submitting. Hmm. Um, I am very much a person that can ask God to put on the blinders or even just like, I got this myself kind of thing. So, and that's usually when Satan likes to get his greatest grip on me is when I think I'm the one who's in control. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, submitting helps me, maybe not stand firm, but be placed back on firm foundation so I can stand 
Right. Yeah. Like you literally right. just give, like it's the difference between active drowning and passive drowning. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm done. I give up God. Put but, me back. <laughs> but then once I am in that position is when I can stand firm, when I gave God the wheel when I gave him the reins or something. And so do you then sing Jesus take the wheel? Jesus take the wheel. Mm-hmm. No, but we love and, you, Bob. God. Well, and a part of that comes in, in what you said, it comes in worship. It comes in singing. It comes in prayer. It comes in reading scripture. I know it was, a, like I said, as a big blanket term, it's a little vague, but I don't know. I think that's the foundational things that we teach children exactly. because they're true. Yeah. It's yeah. important because they're true. Right. It's not just factual reading your Bible, read your Bible. That's a fact. Yeah, but no, why? Because true. the Bible actually is the Word of God and brings life, yeah. right? Well, so here's one that I, I was just thinking about. One of the things that actually helps me stand firm is tithing, of all things. Yeah, like money is such an easy thing for me to fixate on, and when I I don't even yeah. write the check, I don't even think about it. All of a sudden, I'm reminded, wait, it's not my money. And now I love giving. Like yeah. when I look and I get the end of your giving statement, here's the thing. Sometimes I'm like, I wish I could have given more. And that's, but that wasn't always the case. So before anybody's like, oh, look, it's, no, there were times in my life where tithing was such a challenge, but that's one of the truths of tithing yeah. is that when I surrender to Jesus, my finances, that's what the purpose of that. And no, this is not a tithing message, no, but, but, but it is. And I just had this conversation not that long ago when we yeah. were talking about something as a married couple, a younger married couple that were, both work at the church for peanuts and smiles. No, I'm just kidding. We, we are adequately compensated. <laughs> but we were talking about money things as you do in your marriage. And one of the first things we said to each other was, hey, how's our tithing? Yeah. Why are we why are we nervous about this right now? We shouldn't be. If we're if we're being obedient obedient and faithful, God returns that faithfulness. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just thinking this whole conversation kind of like to bring it back to, to uh Inspiration Point Christian Camping Retreat oh Center. Goodness, I uh, did you go there? I did. I did. A couple of years as a staff member. Wow. One of the things is as a counselor we were kind of told to mitigate problems early with with campers like if something were to come up the first thing that we would be told is hey let's set them up for success so let's that looks like telling them what to expect here is what success looks like here is what doing things well looks like in order for everyone to have a good week and the second thing was whatever you don't address you agree with like if you see a kid pushing somebody else over and bullying them essentially and you don't say anything you don't address it you're new there's no such thing as neutral there's no such thing as neutral and and it just got me thinking like if i don't look at something in my own life if i don't look at something and go address it is this something that i need to think about is my you know drinking habit or my gambling habit or my even religion is my it, it, Your D habit. Oh yeah, is my D and D habit. That's another marriage conversation. Uh, <laughs> is that, that conversation with me? <laughs> is that something I need to look at? Because I think a lot of people just don't. They just they go, oh, I love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus, and maybe they're even serving and doing things like that. But the minute it, the minute they go away from it, it's like. Oh yeah, but I also do this other thing on the side. It's like you're giving a lot of time to that. You're you're devoting a lot of time to that, and you're not looking at it. And there's yeah. and, and let's I think you know this is where I think that challenge of making sure we don't fall into legalism. Yep. Yeah. So on we talked about this is uh, during some read through. 
when somebody says, oh, I love Jesus, and then they'll, and, and let's be, I'm, I'm going to use this as an illustration, so please do not take this as an attack on anybody. But when somebody goes, well, I didn't go to church because the Vikings game is today. Right. Mm-hmm. That. In that moment, what they're saying is, I love Jesus, but I love the Vikings more. Well, Jason, don't be legalistic about church. Well, you're being legalistic about the Vikings game. Right. I got to be there. I have to, uh, that's, and that's, that's the, but, but it's not just the Vikings. We do this yeah, in all kinds of things. Yeah. Now, does that mean it's wrong to miss church to do something? Absolutely no. not. Like there are you're times. You're missing the point if that's what you're going to fix. You're it. focusing on, and usually when people get defensive about that, what they're being defensive about is they realize that they're making regular choices. Right. Church is not what saves you. No. But I know way too many people, myself included, who I say, I love Jesus, but. Right. I want this more. Yeah. You know, we've, we've talked about several times throughout many of our messages here at Zion. We talk about that, like Jesus plus, right? We talked about it last week and stuff. Derek did a great sermon on it last summer, I think. And this is like Jesus plus is that you need to do anything else to be more like Jesus. But then it's like, I love Jesus, but, or it's like the negative or it's like, but I love Jesus, but I'm engaged. So it's okay that I have premarital sex. Yeah. It's the other side of the, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I love Jesus, but, but, and, and I think that's the challenge in this is that when you, every time you give into that, but statement, (laughs) that sounds funny. Every time you give into that, you're actually choosing either to be double-minded or neutrality, which then yeah. means you've already picked a side. Right. And that's the struggle. That's why it's called a struggle is because Amen. it's not easy. That yes, like Jaden, we'll end with Jaden because we're already coming up on our hour time. Oh, well, so I was, I was going to spark. So we talk about this neutrality. We talk about this striving. Um, my mind goes to people who are facing addictions. Yep. Like uh, like gambling, pornography, or even a substance abuse problem, where we talk mm-hmm. about something, I have to, I have to, I have to. It's like they have actual, they have a neurological compulsion to yep. go towards these things, and maybe that person is striving and isn't receiving like healing, or or but they're still after that sort of a thing. Uh, I guess I just want, like want to encourage people who are in that position right now that it's not about perfection; it's yeah, about persistence. Exactly. So when you're dealing with addiction, people pleasing addiction is what I've been working through. seeking the praise of man or the the opinions of others mattering way more than Jesus does. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that's, again, the goal is this is not about salvation. This is about, are you, are you building the kingdom of heaven or are you helping aid the kingdom of hell in our life? And you can still be a Christian and do either one of those. This is about making the challenge and saying, what side are you on? Whose side are you on? And if you say you love Jesus, then we all must confess and acknowledge there are times that we don't live that way. Amen. But what it should cause us to strive towards is that we we want to be kingdom builders. We want to be people that are pointing, uh, that are are demolishing strongholds. That right. that we're bringing flourishing. We're bringing contentment. And you don't and you have don't, to be on church staff I was, or work at a church. That's to right. Do Just gonna say that you're absolutely right. You don't have. It doesn't have to no. be you know, doing a churchy thing, quote unquote, to build the kingdom. And and here's, and I'm going to end with this. So my, I really believe, because the Bible talks about that we're going to receive crowns when we get to heaven. And I think most of my rewards came this side of heaven. When, and don't get me wrong, I appreciate when people encourage me. Um, but the people who are really going to be affirmed are those who never got accolades, who never got the applause, who never got the, oh, I just love when you, it's like, 
It's the guy who cleans the toilet. It's the guy who faithfully serves in his job and loves people well for Jesus's kingdom. Quietly. Quietly. And and we don't even know the impact that they've had. And this is a struggle that I think a lot of um, people in ministry have to wrestle through is the truth is we praise a man is an easy trap to fall into. Yep. And so I'll, I full confession. There are Sundays where I'm like, Oh, I hope they liked that message. Mm-hmm. Instead yeah. of, I hope Jesus liked that message. Yeah. I hope Jesus walked. Right. I hope Jesus went well done. Not well. That was delivered really well, Jason. Yeah. That was entertaining. Okay. Final story. I promise this is the last story. Okay. So when I, I just started, I had been at uh, community of hope as the teaching pastor. And I've always, uh, not always, for most of my ministry career, I've uh, asked for feedback in real time because I like honest feedback. I really do when I ask for it. The problem is some people just want to give it regardless and I'll still hear it, but I do like feedback. I like real-time feedback. So I asked somebody, and here I am teaching pastor at this church, and I said, hey, I'd love to, how do you you feel I'm doing? And they full-on gut punched me. (laughs) And and I was glad I asked. And honestly, it changed me. They said, Jason, we hired you because we believe that you, you have a gift for helping people understand God's word. We didn't hire you to be a stand-up comedian. Ouch. Mm. And they were like, you're so busy wanting us to be entertained. That's not what we're looking for. And where that came from was when I was a youth pastor, the only way kids can pay attention Amen. for 45. It's a different style. It's a different style. So I, it's not that I was bad in one thing. When you're a youth pastor, if you're not getting a kid to laugh every two to three minutes, they're not going to retain. They're, they're not going to retain. No. And I remember hearing that and going, oh. And they're like, you don't need to tell jokes. Your stories are good as long as they apply to scripture, as long as they help us move forward. And I thanked them and I said, thank you. And all of a sudden it changed how I preached. Yeah. I realized that I was I was approaching adults as if I was kids. Yeah. And here's why I share this is in that moment, I, I really was looking for, I was looking for critical feedback. But there was something inside of me that I was thinking that what people really wanted was to be entertained. And I had mistaken the point. Yeah. And I thought I was building something that by getting people to laugh, because and I, I do. If I wasn't a, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd probably want to be a stand-up comedian. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I like I love I love storytelling. I love getting people to laugh, but I missed the point because what I wasn't doing is I wasn't building the kingdom in that moment. I was building a brand. Right. And I unfortunately, was, would that get in the way of Jesus? That's right. And the brand was Jason's funny. Jason's a great communicator. Instead of, wow, God's word was elevated and lifted high. And I was not being neutral in that moment, if that makes sense. But I, I was a little double-minded. Yeah. I was missing the point. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so grateful that someone spoke that over me. Well, hey, uh, this has been an, an interesting and fun conversation. I feel like we go longer. Uh, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Jaden. I'm Kate. And I'm John. Jeez Louise, come on. I'm <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion Clear Lake app. Share this podcast with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of the Breakthrough Breakdown.